You're listening to the Mess and Mercy podcast with Katie Sanders, where you'll be inspired to grow in your walk with Jesus and live out your God-purposed life by faith and obedience. Now, here's your host, Katie Sanders. over the weekend and the word was so timely for me. Um, Usually, um, anytime I've ever spoken, it is just like God to wait till the day before to completely mix things up. And so, I honored that, and I did not make any plans um, for my speech. It was Christmas. It was a women's event. It was for a silent auction. So I knew that I wanted to speak about giving. Um, The Lord had revealed that through prayer, but outside of that, I had no idea. And so I am preparing on Saturday, the day before, and... um, it was nine nine thirty, and I told my husband, I was like, mm, I'm a little uncomfortable. Um, I, I still don't have the word. I have mounds of things I could discuss, but I want it to be what God wants it to be. He's like, okay, what is what is the event? What are what are what is the occasion? And I said, it's women. It's Christmas. You know, it's the auction. Remember, we talked about um, giving. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes we were kind of making an exchange. And um, sometime in between that, uh, one of our kids come into our bedroom. And they are like, whose hand is that? And she was serious. Like, she wanted to know whose hand that was. And I looked up, and it was the hand from the Adams family. And I never watched the Adams family. I'm scared of the dark. I um, I didn't know whose hand that was. But that caught my attention. Like, I felt that immediately. And I'm probably one of the only humans that can be staring at scripture for five or six hours and find a word buried in a half hand crawling across a TV screen. That's that's me. But I had to read about this hand so I could answer her questions. And I found out that it, his, I don't know, it's, its hand is named Thing. And um, it was not created in order that it could be identified. More the way that the article that I read described it was it was to push the audience to question what was on the other side. What is this thing attached to? Who is this thing attached to? And I was like, oh gosh, I can, that makes me think about the scripture. Let me flip to it. I remember 
um, me and some of my coworkers going through this same scripture um, six months ago. And so I go um, flipping through my pages and my pen was a pen. One of my many pens that are stuffed in my Bible was stuck on Deuteronomy 1. When I tell you the Lord is so intentional, his bigness in the smallest things just amazed me. This page was blank in my Bible with the exception of this prayer that I'm going to read to you. Lord, it's Christmas 2021. My heart is burdened for your church. It is burdened for myself. A lot of people that I care deeply about are standing in hard places. I think some recognize them. Others, I'm not sure. But I pray for our obedience in this space and the provision in our yes. Give me a word. Show me your will. Amen. I remember this season. <laughs> but down further on the page, was details for the scripture that I was trying to go to in Numbers anyway, which is crazy to me. But before we kind of go off into that, um, I want to tell you a couple of statistics about Christmas, about giving. Um, 41% of people are willing to go into debt to buy gifts. 41%. One in 10 people will re-gift their gifts. And an estimated $51.6 billion was spent last year in unwanted gifts. $51.6 billion in unwanted gifts. We give more than we can afford. We want things. We want to give things away that were not meant for us. And we are given a lot of things that we never asked for. Before I go into this scripture... I want you to keep asking yourself as you think about some of your hardest things, your most difficult season, your deepest pain, your most unfair season, your greatest uncertainty. I want you to ask yourself, what promise has God broken to you? What promise has God broken to you? In Deuteronomy, the scripture reads, 
You have now reached the hill country of the Amorites that the Lord has given to us. Look, he has placed the land in front of you. Go and occupy it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. But these, this congregation that Moses is talking to right now, we're like, wait, wait, let's, um, how about this? Let's just send a few people to go look at it, see what they think about it, and, um, that we can have a strategy, we can have a plan, we can get things together. If just a few people peek in and see before, we'll be better prepared to take it. And Moses said, this seemed like a good idea to me. And so I picked out the scouts, one from each tribe. And they name them, they go through the list. They have picked out one man from each tribe of Israel. And then Moses gives him this list of things to look at. He says, see what kind of land they live in. Is it good or is it bad? Do they have towns that have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or is it poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back the crops, samples of the crops that you see. And already... We are going to make an assessment here instead of going in obedience. Um, these men gave away time that they didn't have. This time was too expensive. Um, because God didn't say, hey, go take a peek at this, see if my promise is real, and if you see that my promise is real, then trust me a little bit more and go take it. God said, go occupy this land. It is set before you. And so these men gave more time than they could afford. Um, so they go and it says at the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land and they came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran. And they brought back a word with them to all of the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land and said, we came to the land which you had sent us. It does flow with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Here, look, what God said was true. Imagine that. What promise has God ever broken to you? However, they say, and this is its fruit, however, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and they are very large. Yes, what God said was true. 
but we can't do this. And if I could tell you, if you knew the realness and the bigness of those feelings right now, y'all, what promise has God ever broken to you? But Caleb said, let us go up at once and occupy it. That's what God said. Go and occupy it. For we are well able to overcome it. But then the men that gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. How, how do we know? How do we know that they're stronger? Because they are bigger. They hold better positions. They have more friends than we do. Because it's never been done before. How do we know that we can't? How do we know they're stronger? How do we know that we have the disadvantage? We don't. We don't know that. What we do know is that God said, go get it. Faith is blind certainty. Faith is moving forward in obedience no matter what because God promised and God's promises are real. It goes on to say that this is for they are stronger than we. So they brought the people of Israel a bad report of this land that they had spied out, saying the land that we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in there are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim. They are of great height. Even the giants live there, guys. Even the giants live there. But don't miss this next piece. It says, And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them also. Looking at the giants, looking at the high walls, they had compared themselves to what they saw and they had bought into another lie. The enemy fed them another lie and it set them that much further. What promise has God broken to you? It says that in Nehemiah, which is the, the book of the Bible, that I was getting to that night when I read that prayer across the top of um, Deuteronomy has this prayer in it. It's one of the longest prayers recorded in the Bible and I'm only going to read a part of it but I want you to listen to every word and hold captive everything that God did for this people up up until this point they have been in the wilderness for 40 years now they have left captivity in Babylon 
and they are marching towards the promise. They are right on the border of something new. And this is what we see. You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven and the heavens heavens and with all their hosts and the earth and all of the seas that's in them and you preserve all of them and the host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and you made a covenant with him to promise his offspring the land of the Canaanites and you have kept your promise for you are righteous. And you saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and you heard their cry at the Red Sea and performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all of his servants and all of the people of his land for you knew that they had acted arrogantly against our fathers and you made a name for yourself as it still is to this day. And you divided the sea before them so that they could walk in the midst of the sea on dry land. And you cast their pursuers into the depths as stone into the mighty waters. By a pillar of cloud you led them in the day and by a pillar of fire in the night to provide light for them so they could see which way they should go. And you came down on Mount Sinai and you spoke to them from heaven and gave them rights and rules and true laws and good statutes and commandments. And you made known to them their holy Sabbath and commanded them commandments and statutes and law by Moses your servant. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought water for them out of a rock for their thirst. And you told them to go into the land that you had sworn to give them and possess it. But they and our fathers acted presumptuously and they stiffened their necks and they did not obey your commandments and they refused to obey and were not mindful of all of the wonders that you would perform among them. But they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and you did not forsake them. Even when they made for themselves a golden calf and said, this is your God that brought you out of Egypt and committed great blasphemies in your name, you in your great mercy did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud led them in the way that did not depart from them by day, nor did the pillar of fire by night to give them light, to light the path for the way that they should go. Yet you gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. If you turn to Numbers 11, it says that the Israelites yearned for the days that they were back in Babylon because at least in Babylon they had fish to eat and all they had here was bread. You know, when I read all of that together, I'm like, how, how, how do you put those memories 
those places of faithfulness aside, knowing that God has always come through and he's always prevailed. How do you set that aside and say, hey, let's just go check it out first to make sure. But then I carry myself to that chapter in Numbers where it says, all we have here is bread. And when you've seen God part waters and devour your enemies, you've seen him send plague after plague to make a way for you. And he's shown up every day to lead you and guide you with this fire and this cloud. But all he sends you is bread. A God that can snap his fingers and bring an entire universe into creation. Day and night separated. Heaven and earth separated. Man here. <laughs> like, and all, every, every day for 40 years, all he gave them was bread. Why could you send anything else in this season, God? We're walking through this wilderness. We don't, we know what we're walking towards, but it's been 40 years. Where is it? <laughs> like, how, how much longer, God? Can you send something else, God? Can I get a chicken nugget, Lord, please? <laughs> 40 years of the same thing with God's limitless power. And all he has to give is bread. We bought into this, this culture. Um, we manipulate scripture to make it sound like God says, if you desire it, you can have it. But for my faithful servants, they get the reward. And we interpret that to mean that do good means get good. And do bad means get bad. It's some kind of biblical karma that we think exists. But it's because... The gift is bread. The gift is the body of Christ that he shed on our behalf. And we stand in spaces, hard spaces, spaces that don't have a clear path, a wilderness, if you will, ahead of us. And we want something else. We want it to be easier. Um, but the saddest part about this is you are a participant in God's story. This is not about you. It's not about me. It's not about the spaces that we're in or the people that stand there with us. This is all for God's glory. And his word still stands no matter what. If he is calling you to that place and you are one in ten, 
that re-gift, somebody else is still going to get it. You know, out of those 12 men that went and scoped out this land, two got in. Two got in. It says, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land in which he and his descendants shall possess. We give things away that were meant for us. And with that comes things that we never asked for. I don't know of anybody that has ever stood on their wedding day and said, I can't wait to get a divorce. I can't wait for my child to get that diagnosis. I can't wait for my child to die. I can't wait to lose a parent. I can't wait to lose two. I can't wait to be sexually abused. I can't wait to have my house burned down. I can't wait to anything. Can't wait to get pregnant at 17, 16, 14. I can't wait to start that addiction that's going to run my life. I can't wait to let my finances get so out of hand. $51.6 billion in unwanted gifts and that cannot even be close to the things that the Lord has called and trusted us with that we are looking at like, mm, maybe, maybe I'll go look at it. Maybe I'll make a plan for it. Maybe I'll go see how hard it's going to be. The enemy wants you to give away things that aren't yours. He wants to steal and kill and destroy. And scripture says that he is waiting, roaring like a lion, waiting to devour you. But it's not that obvious. I need you to hear me. We live in a world where we want to blame all of the bad things on the enemy. And that is not the case. Some of those things were petitioned straight from God, straight for you to be a part of your story and growth in Christ and the sanctification process. That is not the enemy. That is you learning to rely on manna, on the bread every day, all day. It is new. Every day they had another opportunity, a new opportunity to depend on God. And just because he is not raining Cheetos from the sky does not mean that we are any different. We are set to glorify God, to trust God, to put our yes on the table. And we don't get to decide what that looks like. And if we do, he is the perfect gentleman. He does let us choose. 
but somebody else will stand in your place. people, the rest of them, decided, wait. Let's, uh, just kidding. Just kidding, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to go. And God said, better not. Because I will not be with you. You had your chance. early in my salvation story, I would put it like this. Jesus is not a bench. It is a yes or no. It is not a sit in the middle and depending on what sits next to us, may we move right or left. When you put your yes on the table, you are held to a higher standard. You are set apart. Different. <laughs> you have a responsibility. You're not going to get your healing here. Even in the promised land, there were hard things that awaited Caleb and Joshua and all of those to come because they felt like they needed a king other than the Lord. So he raised up judge after judge after judge and sent prophet after prophet after prophet until he came and died on our behalf. God is a keeper of promises, but the enemy does not quit. All of this hard stuff that God has called you to plays a bigger part in his story and a bigger part in you. It, it's to grow you and stretch you and make you holy as he is holy. Romans says that we pursue righteousness because we live in constant pursuit of that righteousness, that tells us we do not arrive. I don't care if you have been a Christian for five weeks or 55 years. You have not arrived. There is still more work. There is still more growth. There is still more cutting to do. God says for the things, for the, the trees that bear fruit, I cut back so they bear even more. For the trees that do not bear fruit, I cut off so that they can bear more. Cut on or cut off, we are still cut. There is still learning. There is still a path to go. Obedience to be held to. In your 
anger or your disapproval of your circumstances or your confusion, that diagnosis in the midst of just life. What promise has God ever broken to you? You know, I hate to use my mom as an example, but there's so much stuffed in there. It's hard not to. She had spent seven years sober and she snuck out of my house the night that she relapsed while we were opening gifts because she knew that I had already got somebody to take her home my sister was going to take her home and she got arrested she had already served time in prison she had gotten out Got more DUIs, and then when I had my son, she sobered up. She tried to get her life back. He was what helped heal her. And that night when she was arrested, the cop that pulled her over told my sister that something come over him, and he did not feel like it was right to arrest her. If he had, she would have gone back to prison for five years, minimum. But since he didn't, she died instead, drinking and driving a week and a half later. Whose hand was that? Who did that? Was that God or was that the enemy? Job. When God said, you know, my faithful servant, Job, consider him. Have you considered him? He offers his faithful servant up. He said, have you considered my faithful servant, Job? And him and, and Satan have this, this dialogue back and forth about why Satan is sure that Job will denounce Jesus under this set, set of circumstances. And God says, okay, go get him, but do not touch him. And he goes and he does his thing and he comes back and God's like, hey, how's it going? And he said, well, he really has no reason. And they have this dialogue again about why Job is still faithful. And God says, okay, go get him, but do not take his life. And he lets him have everything else. Whose hand is that? When you're walking around and you're feeling these things and things just continue to go and go and go and it's one thing after another thing after another thing and you're like, God, where are you? Why is this happening? 
Whose hand is that? Is this spiritual warfare or is this a part of my process? And can I tell you, it doesn't matter whose hand it is, that creepy, crawly thing that keeps making its way through your life. It doesn't matter what is on the other side. What does matter is what we do with it how we respond. The Lord has petitioned or the Lord has allowed and we have to respond and he lets us. Do we give away things that we can't afford to the enemy? Have y'all ever heard the words you speak or the house you live in? Think about that. For The things that you say have power. I remember an old boss, a dear friend, told me one time, she said, when you said that, the, the whole room changed. Yeah. We have the power in Christ to tread over snakes and scorpions and it says nothing will injure you but the problem is what we do how this affects us is we have that authority but we either sit idly by and let the enemy have it or we freely give it up in the things that we speak over our lives we give away things that are too expensive. We give away things that are meant for us. And we want to set aside the things that were set before us. And God will let us because the word of the Lord still stands. promise has God broken to you it doesn't matter whose hand it is stop giving things away be aware be conscientious the enemy is not going to come roaring into your life He's going to say, go check it out first. Are you sure you want to? Is this God? He's going to place seeds of doubt. And it becomes debilitating. And then you just think you can't do it at all. Or that you shouldn't. Matthew eleven six says, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Offend here translates to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one who he ought to trust and obey. 
to entrap, to trip up, or to entice to sin. To cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one who he ought to trust and obey. God is trustworthy. He's faithful. Faith is blind certainty. Don't give it away. We have a forgiver, an intercessor. We have access to strength and power and provision. And all of these things, mercy, grace, more grace, abundantly, patience. Perseverance. That's one for you to write down and stick on your desk. I want you to consider this scripture and then I'll pray. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, the one is coming and will not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away to their own destructions. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. We are not those that shrink back. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for how intentional you are with our time with you. Lord, that if we seek, you truly are right there, ready to deliver a word from a hand on a TV screen. God, I pray that we would look for you in the wilderness, in these spaces. And God, that we wouldn't pick apart the things that you give us, the circumstances, the noise around our lives, God. But that we would align ourselves with your will and that we would pursue it with integrity and obedience because you are trustworthy. We don't live in a do-good, get-good world, God. But we do live in a world that gives us the opportunity to have immediate, direct, and forever access to someone that can intercede on our behalf, your son, Christ. And I pray that we understand the weight of that. I don't know what is more offensive, God, that you freely offer grace and we abuse it or you freely offer it and we choose something else instead. But I pray for forgiveness for that, for myself and for anybody else, God, that may need it, that we would find 
that place of bankruptcy, that, that place where we met you, God, and we realized that we are nothing without you, that we have nothing to offer you. Yet you still let us participate in your ultimate plan. It doesn't matter whose hand it is, God. Let it be enough for us that you have afforded us a new opportunity to glorify you. And let us walk that out in obedience. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Love you guys. God's promises are good. See y'all next time. If you were encouraged by today's message, hit subscribe and meet us here again. Or head on over to Katie's website, messandmercy.com, to find more encouragement like free devotionals, Bible studies, and the blog. Thank you for tuning in to the Mess and Mercy podcast. We hope to see you again.